Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. Hello everybody, welcome back. I'm Brendan Rogers, the host of the Culture of Things podcast. This is episode four, part two. This episode's the second half of my chat with Martin West. As a reminder, Martin is the owner of a consultancy business called XGAP, which is short for Execution Gap. XGAP focuses on helping leaders create conversations that produce healthy team performance. Martin has co-authored a recently released book called Hard Road, A Leader's Journey Begins. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 4, part 1, before listening to this episode. If you have already listened to part 1, let's dive into this episode as Martin shares the other four parts of the model from the book and some more lessons for emerging leaders. Look, mate, let's move on to the second part of the model, build strong relationships. So just give us a bit of a summary about what that's about and and where that came from. Okay, that uh, is about having good, strong one-on-one relationships with people in your team. The origin of this is an observation that you can have goals right, you can have interaction or team health right uh, within a team, but if it's not built on strong relationships that you as a leader personally have with individuals in your team, then it can be a house of cards and it can come down quite quickly. And our observation was that some leaders had not taken the time to spend one-on-one time with individuals in their teams just to get to know them and to find out what their aspirations are and to ask just some simple questions about how they like to be managed. A lot of things in teams and work and organisations and business, I feel are baked in to a schedule, you know, quarterly meetings, annual meetings, the weekly staff meeting, a lot of those things seem to be common language and baked in. But one of the things that's not baked in, not baked in well, is the one-on-one. And just having a one-on-one for no other reason than to find out how that uh, the individual is that you're leading is going, what are their strengths, what are they struggling with, what do they like about your leadership, what motivates them, demotivates them, just some simple questions. So this second part of the model Build strong relationships came from watching this this part missing from what leaders do. And, and that, again, a, a short story. I ran a workshop with a client. It was only four people in the room, and it was half a day. And I could tell at the end of the workshop that something was not quite right. And so I just went off script. I just asked a simple question. I asked everyone in the room to rate the quality of the relationship with everyone else in the room. We had the leader and we had three other team members. And I just said, rate it red, yellow, green, and go and put your answer up on the uh, whiteboard. So each person went up to the whiteboard. They listed the other people's names underneath and wrote red, yellow, green. And lo and behold, three people out of this team of four were red, and they rated each other red. And so I'm looking at it, and I said, guys, I've just spent four hours together you telling me that of the four people in this room, three of you that have been working together for more than five years 
you're rating your personal relationship with each other red. And they all nodded. And I said, should we try and fix that? And again, they all nodded. And then that led to a whole other conversation to find out why is it red? And it turned out the cause was actually quite straightforward. It was it was simple to understand. Not simple to fix, but simple to understand. But what, what killed me was I didn't uncover this till the end. And so this relationship's topic is all about understanding the strength of the relationships that exist between you and the team members and within the team. Uh, because if they're red or yellow, then almost doesn't matter what else you're trying to get done. It's not going to get done quickly. Yeah, it really reminds me of, uh, you mentioned Patrick Lencioni earlier as well on you know, the, the five dysfunctions and, and trust and, and conflict being the first two or the fear of conflict. So again, if those relationships aren't there, aren't there and they're not strong, then you know, how can people have the conversations they need to have to get the improvement and the results they need to have? It's just, to me, it's just not logic. It's not possible. No, that's right. And it's not, it's not hard to fix as a leader. I think you've just got to um, dedicate yourself to doing the one-on-one and asking maybe two or three very simple questions. Uh, one of them be, would be, what motivates you? What demotivates you? Another question would be, what do you like about my leadership style? And perhaps anything I can improve. And another third question I love to pose is where do you see yourself in three years' time? I think if you can uncover those sorts of questions in a very informal way, uh, it helps build the picture and builds the relationship. Yes, mate. Look, great questions and, and you know, great simplicity you're providing as well. Can, can I just ask, for again, for listeners and particularly you mentioned earlier how it's very, very difficult as a leader. You know, you, we get dragged into so much stuff and day-to-day and the urgent rather than the important. And relationships certainly fits into that important category. What, you know, if a leader's not doing this and having those one-on-ones, what's, what's some simple advice you can give them just to, to build that habit? What would you say to them? First, I'd say just think about the concept. Think about how, what do I think the strength of the relationship is with each person in my team individually. Just because before you do anything, you've got to value the, the topic do I place value on the strength of my relationships? That's, uh, you've got to be honest with yourself. And if, as a leader, if you're not mentally in a place where you're, you're, you value the strength of those relationships, then it really doesn't matter what I say next. And, you know, sometimes leaders are in seasons where they're new, they're just scrambling, they can't, they can't see time to add one-on-ones. So the first step would just be to ask yourself, do I value having strong one-on-one relationships with my team members and maybe not progress any further with what I'm about to say next until you get to a point of deciding, yes, this is super important. Now I've got the brain space. My next piece of advice would be try and find, if, if I went to the um, simplest, simplest wor- not worst case, but simplest frequency and tip, it would be find a time every six weeks to sit down one-on-one with each person in your team. Now, ideally, it should be more frequently than that, but if you want to go to simplest advice every six weeks, and it could be coffee with no agenda. Just want, just want to sit down, 
die rise one-on-one each person in your team once every six weeks. If you just do that, you'll be making progress because you're investing time. And then if you need to formalise some sort of agenda, now perhaps you can go to those questions I said earlier on. But just once every six weeks, one-on-one, 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes, coffee, um, and get into the habit of doing that. That's fantastic advice, mate. And I, I really like the I like both points, but particularly that first point. It's you know, again, it's this is not a tick the box exercise. If you are not invested in it, if you don't believe that relationships are a key part of, of you being a great leader and, and getting the best out of your team, then don't just give it lip service. Don't do it. No. Um, because every don't all your it. actions and behaviours after that will not support um, no, you know, no, that no. that you believe in it. They'll actually support that you don't believe in it. No, and you'll cancel, and we see leaders here, they keep, and cancelling one-on-ones is a shocker. Telegraph such a poor message. You're much better off not scheduling them in the first place. And I get it. Sometimes leaders are overwhelmed. They say, Martin, I can't schedule one-on-ones. I've got to deal with this crisis, or I've got to go and impress my boss, or I've got to go and create some momentum myself personally. I get it. I'm not saying you have to do this from day one. But at some point, you have to face up to what value do I place on the relationships. And that's it. I think it gets back to that old saying that what you value, or what you what you value, you'll prioritise and you'll put time to it. That's so, right. Exactly. Much better waiting to value it rather yeah. than pretending. Absolutely. Mate, let's move to the third part of the model, alignment and cultivating team alignment. Okay, that's pretty... That This part of the model... For new leaders really is what our business was for the first 10 years. It's answering four questions as a team. I'll, I'll say that what the four questions are, but I want to right up front say that the key here is getting buy-in. Um, so the four questions we think teams need um, an answer to to successfully produce results and improve their performance. Question one, why do we exist? What's our purpose? Question two, describe success. Describe some point in the future, normally one, maybe two years, and get really clear on what success looks like for the team at that point. Question three, what do we have to focus on in the next six months? The key here is not having a big list. Three three or four things, nothing more than that. You know, if everything's important, nothing's important. So question three is what do we need to focus on? to help drive us towards that picture of success. And then the final question, the fourth one, is what do I need to execute? If we know what question one is, the reason, our purpose, and then we know where we're heading, describing success, now we know what to focus on. The last piece of the jigsaw is really being clear personally, what do you need to focus on? What do you need to execute? And keeping that really simple. So they're, they're the four questions. And it's it's really a workshop that we, we advocate the leader leads the team through to get buy-in mate what i really love about that and, and again you know the, the model i just really really love again the simplicity of it but probably for some of those leaders out there that are you know thinking well you know relationships and, and self-awareness is all good but we've got to get stuff done and, and that that really to me exactly. focuses in that alignment and the cultivating a team this is where we get stuff done but you get stuff done better when you've got the self-awareness and when you've built the relationships because you'll work together better Exactly. And look, we have screwed this up as a, as a company. The first 10 years, this is where we would have started the model at alignment. But after making the mistakes we've made and seeing that 
quality of relationships is absolutely critical. And the step prior to that, having some level of self-awareness is key. Um, it's now not the first part of the model, but it is very key. It's definitely key. This is all about what is the game plan and how are we going to execute the game plan. But I have to ask, and, and something completely random has jumped into my head, but do all of your clients know that you've been treating them as guinea pigs for this last 20 years? <laughs> all our best stuff comes from our clients. <laughs> I tell them. I try to tell them. Look, isn't Maybe it the best, the it's moment, the best learning ground, isn't it? Them. It's the best learning ground. Yeah, like we, we're definitely not saying we know everything. Our clients, clients teach us at least as much as we help them. There's no doubt about that. And we enjoy it, especially, you know, our close clients, the ones we have longer-term relationships with, you can be more upfront, more frank, and really enjoy the journey. But, you know, they know us warts and all, the stuff we're good at, the stuff we're not. Um, many of our close clients, for instance, realised that my business partner and I are better together. Um, I had one client tell me that once said, look, Westy, we love what you do, but you're better when Bragg is with you. <laughs> I'm going, okay, thanks. And, and I knew it. I already knew that. And vice versa, they would say some things to him. Well, so it- once you get good client relationships, they, they start being pretty honest with you, which is good. And on the topic, mate, I mean, the, uh, the sum of the parts together is better than just the individual parts, right? So, again, you and, you and Mark make a great team. Yeah. I love yeah. what you said before That's about, right. you know, you don't know everything, but I think the key message in this is, yeah, none of us knows everything, but you are really open to improvement like a lot of the great leaders out there, and that, that's what distinguishes you from maybe the average versus to, to what you're achieving today. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I can be a slow learner. Some of these lessons... I mean, the first big pivot we made in the business took 10 years. That's <laughs> a long time to realise that team health and behaviours in a team are, are important. Um, Mate, dare I yeah, say it? You, dare I say it? You and Mark are just mere males like us and, and maybe you need a little bit of female influence to help you move forward a little bit quicker. But <laughs> let's not go into that area just now. Yeah, yeah. Mate, let, let's move on I've to the... female coach <laughs> Let's move on to the fourth part around discipline and establishing team team discipline. Before you before you explain that, I, I get the feel and the sense, and I guess some of my experience says this is probably the the tough part. Let's let's say about maybe determining the behaviours around that and what the team disciplines are, but more the application and the uh, the constant accountability attached to that. How about you explain some more? So the next discipline is the the next lesson is. That out of the five is discipline and it's really an accountability discipline and the easiest way I can tee this up is by saying up till this point all we've done is establish a plan build great relationships and gotten self-aware we don't know what's actually happened and so the team meeting is the cornerstone of the discipline that we're talking about here you know, there, there are several aspects to the discipline but the weekly team meeting is the cornerstone and the reason that's a cornerstone, because it's the game. It's the time where you get to see what happened, what didn't happen, what do we need to do differently next, and you get to see the behaviour from the team come to the surface. We've got a very specific way we think that team meeting should be run every week, but the, the overarching point is, unless you've got some way to track progress of the game, We've got the great plan. 
Um, so this is really about execution. What got executed? And the discipline just means something that's repeated. Um, for instance, if I was asking you, Ben, how often do you exercise? About three times a week. Okay, three times a week is a discipline. I haven't asked you what you do, how long you do it for. Three times a week is a discipline. If you'd said three times a month, I'd go, mm, not really a discipline. Maybe it's something that you dabble in every now and then. So discipline just means something that is repeated regularly. It doesn't mean it has to be great. doesn't mean it has to be the same every time. It just It's the repetition that's the key. And we think the key part of that is the weekly team meeting. I, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I get the sense that understanding discipline, and in my opinion, there is a, a severe lack of discipline in, in, to be fair, the global society and, and, and people's behaviours. Is this the toughest part of the model for leaders to really grasp and to, and to show the discipline needed? Again, because I'm, 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 I'm saying that the, the big point here is the weekly team meeting. You know, there's a monthly meeting we think should happen, a quarterly meeting, but the weekly is the key. Once, I found that once teams, most teams already do meetings. So it's not like meetings foreign. It's just most of them are not done well. You know, two-thirds two of the meeting is agendaized, it's static, there's no engagement, there may be a little bit of discussion, debate. What we try to do is flip that around. We, we limit the amount of preset agenda for a weekly team meeting and maximise the amount of what we call real-time agenda or, or discussion debate. And I find once a team gets a taste of a different way of doing the team meeting, then the discipline part of it, i.e. doing it each week, becomes a lot easier. So it's like trying the new way is part of the key. Most teams, I think, know that meetings is part of the culture. It's just their experience of them has been really bad. And so we try and show how you can have a really good experience of a team meeting. And once clients experience a new way of doing it, they get addicted to it. Going, this is great. Um, how do we ever do things differently than this way? Yeah, once again, a, a great point. I mean, I'm not sure that there's a lot of leaders out there that are enjoying the meetings that they're having and, and you know, to use your analogy about being at the game, you know, the game they're playing. So anything that can be done to help them and understand how to have better meetings, it's uh, surely everyone would have to be quite open to that. Yeah, but, otherwise otherwise the plan you did in the previous uh, lesson around alignment is just a, it's static. Whereas we know that the teams and workers' dynamics, stuff changes every week. And the only way to stay on top of that is that team meeting. Otherwise, you've got a bit of paper that sits in the drawer and you're just hoping for the best. Or you're really good at email. And, but neither of those is a substitute for a, a robust, dynamic, interesting, sometimes conflict-filled weekly team meeting. Yeah, you just touched on something we haven't spoken about and uh, I guess we, we won't... We'll go into a little bit of that, but all of these bits are connected, and let, let's we'll talk about the connection of these. But let's let's share about the last part of the model around coaching. Uh, coaching's the, the reason we find that this is you know the last and the most important part of the model is ultimately your job as a leader is about other people in the team. It's not about you, and it takes people sometimes a little time to realise that. It's not about me. It's about others. So you have to change your mindset. And ultimately, your role as a leader and the thing that will bring you most satisfaction 
is if you can see individuals in the team improve and therefore the team collectively improves. If you can sit back and look at the team and think you've helped individuals and the team become better and you can find the brain space to do that and a simple method to doing that, that is the most satisfying part of being a leader of a team. And we advocate a very simple approach to coaching um, called the three-box approach to coaching, which is imagine in your mind a, a visual picture of, a, of one box. Let's say it's down in the bottom right corner of a uh, whiteboard, and it, it's listed current performance. Right there is where you want to get clear with someone you're coaching what their current performance is, how are they current producing, performing, or delivering. The next box is upper left corner, arrow pointing to it, is future performance. That's a description in two or three dot points of where will we love to see you as an individual in the future. Two or three dot points on performance, delivery, or behavior at some point in the future. And then the key box is the third box, which is really where you need to help individuals understand you, you're in it with them is the how. And the third box is almost pointing halfway between the other two boxes. It's the how. It's really an agreement on what are the steps we're going to take in the next weeks and months to help you get from current to future. And that how box is really the coaching box. It's where as, as a coach, you're working with the individuals, getting clear on what is it that needs to happen? How does it need to happen? How can you help them? Make sure you're not scaring them with massive steps. Doesn't need to be big changes. But we think coaching is key. It's the it's the juice behind being a team leader. You know, all the previous steps are important. Getting self you don't become a team leader just to get self aware, or just to build strong relationships, or to build get alignment or discipline. Ultimately, you're in a leadership role, and I think the thing that brings most satisfaction it does for me as a consultant. It's helping individuals and teams improve. And so coaching is critical for that. And I think it's, uh, I'm pretty sure you, you and I would agree on this page is that, look, if that's not your motive and, and you know why you've gone into or want to go into leadership positions, then you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And sometimes, it, you know, especially new leaders, sometimes you're just trying to survive. And so when a new leader reads this book and they see coaching in there, they might think, oh, man, how am I going to have time for that? Even if you don't have time for it, but you just absorb that ultimately I'm going to get most satisfaction, not out of getting promoted, but out of seeing people improve. Even if they can just absorb that point, that's going to be really helpful. Mate, well, even the best players or actually the best players have coaches. That's why they're the best, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Mate, wrap, wrapping up the model, so I let, I'm, a, I'm a new leader, I pick up the book, I, I spend the money on it, fantastic, I have a read and I'm going to spend the next 6 or 12 months on self-awareness because I, I think I need to. Is that, is that how I should apply this or can I, can I move between, the, how, how linked, how interconnected are these things? Um, I, would, I would work on the first two really quickly. If, if I was looking at the model... I'd be trying to put a, and I'm a new leader, I'd put a peg in the sand a date where I'm trying to do step three. That's the alignment part. And I'd put that peg maybe three months out. 
And if you weren't feeling confident, maybe four months, five months out. But you need to put a peg in the sand where you're going to have the team together and decide to work your way through the four questions under alignment, which is purpose, success, what are we going to focus on, what's each person going to execute. The time between now and then is where you work on those first two, um, self-awareness and building strong relationships. If you'd asked me of all the things in the book, if I was just to do two, if I was to walk away and just do one or two, where would the starting point be? The, the two I would say start with uh, do the self-awareness exercise, get some feedback from your team and maybe a peer and maybe a boss on your strengths and weaknesses. Just get that as honest as you can. And the second thing was start wrapping your head around how to do really good weekly team meetings. That'd be the two starting points. If you if you could get those two things into your um, rhythm, make a start on those two, that, that'd be the place to start. That's fantastic, mate. Thanks for sharing that advice. And I, I, I think for me and, and what I really want to get across as well is that you know you don't you don't just tick one off and, and you're done with it. You know, these things are, are living no. and breathing, it's live and you should always be constantly working on each part. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And and I think they, they fall in some people are gonna be naturally stronger at some things than others. There'll be some people who are listening to this that are great at the alignment part but may need to do some work on their self-awareness and relationships. Others will be great at those two, but aren't so great at the alignment and weekly team discipline. So I think you've got to match your own situation and wiring and personality a bit for this. And each person should be able to work out, okay, I, I know I need to do some work here. Mate, I've taken a lot of your time today and I really appreciate you explaining the model in such detail and, and that, that is just going to be so helpful for our listeners. There's so much gold to be taken from that. If we go, in, go into just wrapping this up, what, what's the impact that you and Mark are trying to have on, on leaders and particularly emerging leaders through this book? What, what are you trying to achieve? Really, really simple, mate. Help them never become the limit to their team. We want every leader to have the right tools, the right skills and be positioned so that they're always ahead of the team. Because if they're always ahead of the team, the team are always going to keep improving. And it, like I said at the beginning, some of this has come out of pain. It's watching senior leaders who are the limit to their team. I thought, man, if only you had a different approach, maybe not today, but 10 years ago. If you'd been able to absorb some of these, because some of these lessons we've talked about here, if you're 20 years into your career, some of these changes are hard to make. But if you're two years or five years or seven years into your career and you're just starting your leadership journey, you can make these changes pretty quickly. So it's helping leaders never become the limit to their team. Mate, I love the simplicity of that message. Fantastic. Mate, if Just as a, as a, a final word for our, our listeners... What is, if you could give them one bit of advice, and, and really you've given so many bits of advice through this interview, but if there was one bit of advice you'd like to give to leaders today, what would that be? The advice I'd give is one that I think I like to use personally uh, in our own business and with our clients. I'm trying to think of the right words to describe it, but... The advice is 
to be more open and uh, the, the word is vulnerable. And what I mean by that is if you know a conversation needs to happen with a client or a team member or a boss or a peer or a wife or a husband, don't put it off. You know, it, it requires vulnerability and courage to face up to the things that we know are holding us back that we're not doing anything about. It might be financial discipline, physical discipline. It might be someone in our team. But most of us have something holding us back. And if we spend even just a few minutes thinking about it, most of us can pinpoint what that is. The hard part is actually doing something about it. And most of it starts with a conversation with someone. So my parting advice would be try and write down the thing that you think is holding you back in this context as leader of a team. I find nine times out of 10, it's going to point to a conversation you need to have with someone. Put that person's name in the blank space. Who is it I need to go and talk to? And my advice would be to have the vulnerability and courage to do that exercise. Go and have the conversation with the team member, the peer, the boss, the person you know you've been putting it off needs to happen go and make it happen that's great advice mate so really the, the the summary of that for me was being vulnerable is the starting point so as a leader be more vulnerable and that will create the opportunity for conversation and who knows what's happened right. what happens from there that's right and everyone all of us including you Brennan and me has a conversation we probably should have had a week or a month or a year ago that we haven't had, we need to have it. It doesn't require a lot of thinking to work out what it is and with whom. I find most good things are on the other side of the right conversation. And, and again, it's a great point that you raise because it, you know, you're living and breathing this, I'm living and breathing this in my business, but we can still find this tough. You know, We reflect back and think, did I really have the right conversation a week or two weeks or a month ago? So it's not easy, I get it, but probably that, again, going back to your model and, and being self-aware around that and who you are, then that can help. Mm-hmm. And being vulnerable to, to, to move forward with that, that really sets a solid foundation. It's been great chatting, mate. Mate, thank you very much. As a final, final point, now how can, if listeners wanted to ask you a question, you're a man with unbelievable experience. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, three ways. One is contact you. You can give my details. Two. Oh, that sounds like paper, a buck pass. No, two, if you've got a pen and paper, uh, my email is martin.west at xgap.com, xgap.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third way would be the same details are on the website for the book, which is hardroadleadership.com. The book, we've set a website up just for the book called hardroadleadership.com. My contact details are there as well. Excellent. So, yes, hardroadleadership.com, uh, fantastic website. There's an online coaching course associated with the book as well. So, look, and you can buy the book online through that website. So, it's, I'd thoroughly recommend. It's a fantastic read, great nuggets. As you can hear from the interview today, Martin has some fantastic insight. 
uh, and the work that him and Mark, his business partner, have done and, and putting this book together is fantastic. And the exciting thing is that from what I read through the book and in the later part is that there's a, a, a book two and a book three that will be coming out at some stage in the future. So I look forward to hearing that. Martin, thank you very much for your time, mate. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Uh, it was a fantastic stroke of luck meeting you and, and having you in my life and, and thanks very much for sharing today. Appreciate the time, Brendan. Great knowing you too. Thanks for having me on, mate. That concludes my two-part interview with Martin. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Once again, it was really tough to only pick three key takeaways from this second part of my conversation with Martin. But here they are. My first key takeaway, building strong relationships, particularly one-on-one relationships. Do you value one-on-one relationships? If you do, you will have the brain space and you'll make the time to do them. It's absolutely vital to take the time to get to know the people in your team as real people. If you aren't making the time for it, you need to consider this question that Martin mentions. What value are you placing on relationships in your team? My second key takeaway, coaching and helping people improve. Ultimately, your job as a leader is about other people in the team. It's not about you. This thinking requires a mindset shift in some leaders. As a leader, there should be nothing more satisfying than seeing other people in the team improve. Martin talks about a simple three-box coaching model. Firstly, get clear on current performance. Then decide on what the future performance looks like and then agree the steps to take to improve from current to future. I really love the quote Martin mentioned. Coaching is the juice behind being a team leader. My third key takeaway is related to Martin's final piece of advice for leaders. And he said, be vulnerable and courageous. Talk about things that we know are holding us back and impacting on performance. Write down what you think is holding you back in the context of leading a team and show the vulnerability and courage and do something about it. As Martin said, most good things are on the other side of the right conversation. So in summary, build strong one-on-one relationships. Get good at coaching and helping people improve. Be vulnerable and courageous and have the conversations that you need to have. If you have any questions or feedback about this episode, please feel free to send me a message at brendan at brendanrogers.com.au. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember... A healthy culture is your competitive advantage.